Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 34 of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler, brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. Now, before I start this episode, I want to apologize. I was planning to start the rundowns of the best players from each team per division, but unfortunately, something a little bit more important has come up in the baseball world. You see, I wasn't really aware how time-sensitive the episode about the history of the MLB's strikes and lockdowns was going to be, and how important it was that I talked about them when I did. Just a couple of hours ago, Rob Manfred and the MLB owners have decided to put the MLB into a lockdown. This will be the first lockdown since the horrible 1994-1995 to strike that canceled the season and postseason, and the ninth lockdown in the long history of the MLB. Now, in my lockout episode, I mentioned the most recent collective bargaining agreement that was enacted between the owners and the players' union, and how, well, soon enough, a new agreement would have to be discussed. Many people saw this strike coming, but I believe that many more were really hoping that they were going to be able to figure something out before the lockout would ever be needed. This lockout, much like the ones before it, have to do primarily with compensation for young players as well as limitations on tanking or losing a lot of games on purpose in order to receive a higher draft pick in the MLB draft. And, once again, there will be talks about the semantics of free agency and salary arbitration. So, if you were wondering why so many free agents, I mean hundreds of free agents, were quickly trying to find teams to sign with before December 1st, that's why. I mean, they were just trying to sign with the team before any changes could be made to free agency or to a possible salary cap, of which talks have been happening. You see, the players demanded a number of things, including extending more control over their terms of their contract, especially for the younger players who, by contract, are under control of the MLB team for their first six years of their professional baseball career. And actually, that's the way that they've been doing it for a pretty long time now, as it's a really easy way for owners to kind of decide the fates of the careers of many of these young prospects way before they get deeper into their career. Along with the huge disapproval of the salary cap, players felt that limits should be put on teams that are tanking because, quote, it reduces competitive integrity within the MLB and incentivizes teams with no intention of winning games, end quote. The owners had come up with a proposal earlier in November which, among other things, aimed to establish narrower perimeter for each team's combined salary, with a hard minimum of $100 million per team, with an incremental luxury tax, as they call it, beginning at $180 million. So, in other words, the owners want to set a salary cap to limit the amount of money that they're giving players, to kind of make it more even 
between all of these teams. And if the team has more than $180 million, they would be taxed pretty heavily on it, giving them incentive to keep their salary in that $100 million to $170 million range. This way, it's just so much less likely for a big market team to outbid small market teams for much more talented players, since they'll all be playing with similar amounts of money. Which honestly isn't a terrible idea, but at the same time, it means that players' contracts will be way less than teams are capable of paying them now. I mean, if something like this were ever to be passed, the days of these multi-year 280 million or 300 million or more contracts would just be gone. In light of maybe a 2 million to 30 million dollar contract or something along those lines. The MLB also wouldn't be the first to institute a cap like this, as the NFL and the NHL have actually been doing the same with some pretty good success. Owners also offered to eliminate the requirement for teams to lose a draft pick when signing a free agent who rejected their qualifying offer, as well as doing a kind of draft lottery like the NBA has. A universal designated hitter, which actually a lot of pitchers have been going for, as well as an increase in playoff teams, which a lot of fans have been going for, was included in one of these offers, as well as an increase to both the player minimum salary and the competitive balance tax threshold, which is pretty similar to the luxury tax that I mentioned before. However, all of these kind of different varying offers were all rejected by the Players Association. And that kind of just led directly to the lockout to just give time to the two sides of the argument to just iron some things out, hopefully agree on something before we reach the beginning of the season. But after an abrupt end to the negotiations that led to it, we're just back in a kind of similar spot that baseball has been in the past eight lockdowns as well. I mean, just two parties that are trying to get the absolute best for themselves no matter what. The MLB lockout started December 2nd at 12.01 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and should hopefully last until the start of spring training, maybe through spring training, but should end by the beginning of the regular season. I'm afraid that there will be some serious repercussions if the lockdown leaks into the regular season. I mean, let alone spring training. I mean, as we saw in 1994 and 1995, it could mean a drop in fan bases again. I mean, like we've already seen, or just get so much worse. So, I'll keep you updated on what's going on as things begin to develop. I will say, unfortunately, don't expect a quick and easy solution to this problem. I mean, it's been going on for so long that I don't think that it's just going to be a very quick solution that they just come up with overnight. Yeah, it might just be another cold and dark winter. Anyway, let's talk about something a little more cheerful, why don't we? 
I mean, since we had to cover the lockdown, I want to go over a couple of just specialty players and explain how they're so different from what you may think a specialty player is. I'm talking about guys that are really on a team to do eh, one thing or have a big part in doing one thing, and that's about it. The first guy that I want to bring up is Terrence Gore. Now, Terrence is an interesting case because he is really only on MLB teams to do one thing, and that's to steal bases. You see, Gore has actually been in the major leagues for about seven years, but in those seven years, he has only played in 102 games. Now, to put that into perspective, let's say that you're a starter for a baseball club. I mean, you'll more than likely play 110 to 160 games in a year. So, already more than Gore has played in his entire MLB career. And not only that, but like, if you're a starter, by the time you're in your seventh year in baseball, I mean, you're somewhere in the ballpark of about 900 games, give or take a few. Gore started his career with the Kansas City Royals, where he played for five years, and he played the majority of his games there, which was 86, and actually had the majority of his plate appearances there as well, with 72. Since then, however, he was with the Dodgers for two games, the Cubs for 14 games, and the Braves for their most recent postseason push. That's right. Gore didn't even play a regular season game with the Braves before he was called in as a pinch runner in the 2021 NLDS. Honestly, the craziest part about all of this is that Gore actually has two World Series rings. He was part of the Kansas City Royals when they won the World Series in 2015, and he was part of the Atlanta Braves when they won the World Series this year. In his career, Gore only has 15 hits and one RBI, but he's crossed the plate 32 times and he's stolen 40 bases. But almost all of those stolen bases have come in really big situations. I mean, you can look up videos of the 5'7", 160-pound Gore just speeding around the bases, covering about 29.9 feet per second, just 8 tenths off the Dodgers' Trey Turner, who covers about 30.7 feet per second, and is actually currently listed as the fastest player in the MLB right now. Terrence Gore uses his speed to attract teams who just need a fast option on their bench, a guy that can steal a base in the most challenging situations without batting an eye. And that's exactly what he does. There is another guy, however, by the name of Gerardo Parra that comes to mind when thinking about these specialty players. I mean, one big difference that you'll notice right away is that Gerardo Parra unlike Gore, has actually played a lot of baseball in his career. 12 seasons, to be exact. Well, that's not including his overseas work with the Yamiuri Giants in Japan. But even so, Para has played 1,519 games at the major league level, with 1,335 hits, 90 home runs, 532 RBIs, and 97 stolen bases. And... Not to mention, Para also has a World Series championship ring that he won with the Nationals in 2019. 
the Venezuelan para definitely has a lot going for him in his offense and his pretty unstoppable defense. But similarly to Gore, there's one thing that he is really good at. Just being a positive presence in the dugout. You know how some rappers, when they perform live or even make music for a record or a CD, whatever, well, they usually have background singers and hype men that will yell random words every now and then. Well, some baseball clubs, who have guys like Gerardo Parra, kind of have a similar thing. A hype man, if you will, for the dugout. These are the guys that keep their team fired up, even if they're losing. The guys that will get their team hyped up before a game, and so on and so forth. I mean, many teams, including the 2019 Nationals, use Para for just that. Although he only played in 89 games during that season, Para was always around the dugout, picking the team up and keeping them going. I remember watching some of the postseason games from that run, from the Divisional to the Championship Series, and, well, eventually the World Series, where Gerardo Para would come up to pinch hit late in the game with his Baby Shark walk-up song. And although, at the heart of it, the Baby Shark song is for children, toddlers even, it gave a recognizable beat and a dance that everyone in the stadium could dance and sing along to. I can't imagine how intimidating it would have been if you were a pitcher and everyone in the dugout and in the crowd were doing the weird clapping motion that goes along with that song. I mean, it gave people something to rally behind in the best and the worst of times. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, okay, but how can that ever help a team in the long run? I mean, just having a guy that's just always smiling? Well, you have to remember that baseball is primarily a mental game. I mean, it doesn't matter how talented you may be at the sport. If you're not in the right headspace, you're not going to do well. So often, we see professional hitters slump. I mean, it's not because they all of a sudden have just lost the ability to make contact with anything. I mean, it could be something as simple as just not being in the right mindset when they get to the field. You know, maybe they're worried about breaking out of the slump or even getting sent down to the minors or something like that. But when you have a guy like Para, you have someone that can help to break these players out of this mindset and help them regain their confidence. And from there, it just turns infectious. Now, I'm not saying that Para was the sole reason that the Nationals won the World Series in 2019, but I wouldn't doubt it in the slightest if Para was right there in the locker room helping his team get fired up to win the 10 out of their last 11 games of the season in order for the Nationals to even make the wild card. Just saying. I want you to look at each one of the teams that you're interested in and try to find the Gerardo Parra on that team. I'm sure that if you look hard enough, one will stick out. And I'm talking to you, Rymel Tapia. I just can't express how important it is to have a guy like this, backing up your players and helping them through these tough times. I mean, it's part of being on a ball club after all, having this brotherhood and the camaraderie that comes with it. So, in next week's episode, we will be going back on track with the regularly scheduled episodes going over each division in the major leagues 
and picking through each team in the division to find the best player on that team and then compare them to the others in that division. I will also keep you as up to date as possible in terms of the 2021 MLB lockout and give you any and all news that I hear at the start of the episode. Again, I wouldn't expect this lockout to last much longer than the offseason, or maybe until the end of spring training. But I do believe that we will, once again, have a full MLB season in 2022. Thank you for listening.